right? Yeah? Man, that was such good. That, that journal entry. Oh, my gosh. I, I don't know. Maybe. If not, we, can, we know where to find her. <laughs> Man, see, see, Francis, you're doing a great job raising your kids. I just want to always remind you, look at that. Look what God's doing. And, sh- and stuff like that happens all the time with her. She gets prophetic words. And I love especially the part where it said, even if it's just one or two, it starts somewhere. So get rid of it then. Oh, it's just, how old? 11? Wisdom of an 11-year-old right there. The wisdom of the ages inside of her. It's unbelievable. So we, we honor that. Kathy going for the breakthrough and taking a step of faith. And everybody here, I, I'll be honest, I've been in church my whole life and I always feel weird doing stuff like that, to be honest with you. I don't know what to do. I get dizzy and I'm like, okay, what's going on? But we need that breakthrough. Hello? <laughs> so sometimes it's in those prophetic acts that, that does something. It's that us moving out of our comfort zone. Um, see, the comfort zone is the place where you can control everything. The comfort zone is the place where you have complete control of everything, so you're comfortable. And the Lord does not want us to be comfortable. That's why He sent us the Comforter. It's true. He wants us to be uncomfortable because he wants us to, to have a connection with a partnership with him. He wants relationship. <clears throat> so he's rocking the boat. <laughs> oh, two, I think we're supposed to have two quick announcements. Uh, Tuesday night at nine o'clock right here, we're going to have uh, worship, prayer, prophetic words, prophetic acts and fellowship also. So we're going to mix all of that in from nine till when 12, 12.30, whatever, and bring in the new year. Uh, other thing we're going to do really cool this year, and I told Mandy, I said, you know what? We need to do a toast at midnight, and what we need to do is to prophetically toast for every family and declare for the new year what we want. So um, bring your own sparkling cider or 7-Up or Kool-Aid, I don't care, whatever, and uh, we want to we do a toast, but it's not just a toast like, hey, here to the new year. It's a prophetic declaration of what we want the new year to represent for us. So we're gonna, that's going to be really cool. So we'll do that. Um, so Tuesday night at 9 o'clock. So um, there'll be time for games and stuff. I think the, the worship and the prayer and all that stuff will start at 1030, I believe. Um, so from 9 to 1030, just fellowship time. There'll be coffee and stuff like that. So I'll be here for that. And then the 19th of January is Vision Sunday where we're going to go through our, our vision for, through 2017 where we see our church going. How it, uh, how it affects you, because we're all the church, and so we'll just go for it. All right, why don't you pray with me, Lord Jesus, <clears throat> I ask you to give me a spirit of wisdom and revelation that I may know you better. In Jesus' name, amen. If you want to open your Bible, I'll probably read a lot of scripture, but the main place I'd like for you to go is Philippians 4, <clears throat> and I'm still on this this whole seeing the world and the Bible through the eyes of God being the rewarder. And so it, like, it's just shifted everything that I think. And so uh, we're going to get into this today. And, and um, one of his rewards is called peace. And it's the cure for all anxiety. I want to talk about that today because um, how many have ever felt anxious before or you've had anxiety, stress, the weightiness of, of responsibility? Um, the and we'll get into this in a moment, but the, the Bible says that 
we're not supposed to be anxious. Like anxiety and those things that I just described are not supposed to be normal to us. Yet we've learned to just function with high levels of anxiety as a, as a society, as a culture. Most of the, the health issues in society, they can trace back to stress. Almost all of them to stress. And if you want to get a little bit spiritual with unforgiveness or bitterness or anger. But it goes back to the stress levels, the anxiety levels that are just, are, they're, they're heightened in this type of culture we live, excuse me, we live in. It's different than the rest of the world, right? <clears throat> and it's just a trick. And so um, the Lord wants us to know that living in, in a place of anxiety is not normal and you don't have to cope and live like that. It can be different. And so um, if you want to open to <clears throat> Philippians 4, I want to read that in a moment. But in John 14, verse 26 and 27, Jesus is, it's, I love those three chapters, 14, 15, 16 of John, even into 17. It's like Jesus is parting words to his disciples and he's about to leave and he's telling them everything that's about to happen. And in verse 26 of chapter 14 in John, it says, The Helper, the Holy Spirit, my Father is going to send him to you in my name. And he will teach you all the things that you need to know. And he will also bring to remembrance all the things that I have said. And then verse 27. And he says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives. <laughs> so do not let your heart be troubled and do not let it be fearful. So I want you to know right now that our reward is the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit was the reward sent from the Father to to do so many different things. His job description is very large. But the main thing is he was here, he was sent here to bring us into the fulfillment of our inheritance and to be our comforter and to bring the peace that passes all understanding to guard our hearts and our minds. Amen? All right, we're going we're gonna to dig and go into this, all right? So Philippians 4, <clears throat> verse 4. I'm going to read through 13. It says, Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Let your gentle spirit be known to all men, because the Lord is near. I love that. When we're gentle to one another, we're declaring that the Lord is near. Are y'all okay? Yeah. All right. All right. So when we're gentle and we treat people well, we're declaring by our act that the Lord is near. I love that. He says, do not be anxious for anything, but in everything... By prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Let me start, stop there. Do not be anxious for anything, but whenever you feel that way, with thanksgiving in your heart, go to God and let Him know how you're feeling. Make your requests known to Him. It's foolish for you and I to live in a state of anxiety when there's a cure written right here in plain letters that says just come to him and tell him how you feel. It didn't say come and complain because complaining is not thankfulness. It says with thanksgiving in your heart, come and make your request known before the Lord. One of these days, very soon, we're going to do a message on how to approach the Lord. <laughs> because there, I, I've recently the lord's trying to to um make us a little bit more dignified because i grew up and we're funny and we're boys and we're crude and all this kind of stuff and i have two boys that now i want to become sophisticated men that are sometimes very crude 
You just stop there. They're boys, but I don't want them to be boys. I want them to be Patterson men. We're Pattersons. We don't act like that. We may used to have acted like that, but we're not anymore. And so with this whole thought, and we, we have this discussion, don't be crude, boys. That's crude. It's not a bad word. No, it's just a crude word. So don't say it. It's just this thing going on in our house right now. And so in that conversation, the Lord's been talking to me like, well, you approach me crudely sometimes. You approach me in ways that I'm, I'm the king. Remember that, you know. And so when we have these, these heightened sta- uh, stages of anxiety, sometimes we do come to the Lord and we just gripe at him. We just complain. Well, everything's falling apart and you don't care and blah, blah. He's like, no, when you're in this state of anxiety, this is, this is what's really cool about it. He's not going to respond to us in the same attitude that we came to him in. So here's what we do. We get anxious and frustrated and we come to the Lord in a state of frustration and we're trying to blah, blah, blah. And we get mad when he doesn't respond as frustrated as we are. Am I telling the truth? But what he wants us to do is to come to him from his perspective, which is a state of thanksgiving, and then just simply say, hey, God, you're so good to me. How many have ever been frustrated and then started thinking about all the things the Lord's done? And it very quickly just shifts the whole mindset. Like, what was I complaining about? I mean, what, what was, is this thing bigger than God? Is the way I feel, are my emotions actually stronger than the power of God? He says, don't be anxious. And if you are, bring your requests to the Lord in thanksgiving. And then he says, and the God of peace, which passes all understanding, will guard your heart and your minds in Christ Jesus. <clears throat> and then he gives us some more things to do. Bless you. He says, finally, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good reputation, if there is anything that's excellent or worthy of praise, dwell on these things, think about these things, live in the atmosphere of these things. The things you have learned and heard and received and seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. And then he goes on, verse 10, but I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at least you have received or you have revived your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned before, but you lacked an opportunity. Not that I speak from want. And Paul's like tracking in a train of thought here. He says, not that, <laughs> that I speak from want, for I have learned to be, say content. Content. It's a tricky little word. It doesn't mean apathy means content i have learned to be content say it again in whatever circumstances i am in i know how to get along with humble means he's saying i know what it feels like to be poor and i can be content and be poor he says i also know what it's like to be very wealthy and i can be content being very wealthy amen He says, but in every circumstance, I have learned the secret of being filled and of going hungry, both having abundance and suffering need. And he says, here's the secret. I can do either one through Christ who strengthens me. 
I can do either one. Think everything can go well, and I can do that with Christ. Everything can seem to fall apart all around me, but I can do that with Christ too. It's the key. Amen? So let's talk about that word anxiety for a minute, all right? <clears throat> How many knows that in, in Galatians 5, he talks about the fruit of the Spirit and talks about the fruit of the flesh, right? There's two different, um, there are fruit that comes from both sides. Well, anxiety is a byproduct of the flesh. It just is. Anxiety is not um, a fruit of the Spirit. It's not a byproduct of one of the fruit of the Spirit. It is a symptom that says something's wrong that I'm connected to a fleshly mindset somewhere. You got everybody okay? So I'm breaking down what anxiety means in, in these six or seven different things and we'll talk about it and we'll close up, all right? Anxiety means to be troubled with cares, to be weighted down with cares. How many of you have had some troubling things lately? I know, I know we have, a lot of people in the room. And, and there are things that you're responsible for. It's like you can't bury your head in the sand and just them go away. You have some responsibility to act in these things. So you're supposed to care about it. But the, the problem is whenever we, we take those things and we become burdened down with those cares instead of carrying the yoke that, that Christ gave us that was easy and light. And it's all in ownership. It's all in who's in, in authority here. See, we've gotten so rebellious as people that we don't like to be told what to do. We don't like to be given instruction. We don't like to obey. O obedience is weakness. Obedience means that you have authority over me, and I don't want anyone to have authority over me. Obedience means that I have to move because you ask me to. No one's going to tell me to move. I can park my car wherever I want to. You're right, you can. There may be a ticket on your car. You can do. But there's this thing in society where we do not want to obey. We want to be in, in charge. We want to be the boss. We want to be the God of our own life. And what happens is that creeps into, and when cares and troubles come, we haven't realized where our associations are, and we're still trying to be the boss over our troubles rather than allowing the Lord to do it. The Lord wants to be the boss. Did you know that? Did you know God does... I, I hate that you just said that because I'm about to talk about that. God is not in control. He's not. Because control means I forced you to do what you don't want to do. And God will never force people to do what they don't want to do. He will entice us. But He will never force us. And I was thinking about this recently how... Um, I was in a conversation with someone and they were really, they were frustrated with God and they were really upset with God. And the Lord told me, he says, you know why we, you get frustrated with me from times and why people get frustrated with me? I was like, no, I know you're going to, hopefully you're going to tell me. He said, it's because people want me to control them and I won't do it. So they're frustrated with me because they actually have to decide and make decisions on their own. And I will not control them. So they get mad at me. It's kind of funny. He wants to be good to us. And so we have troubling things come along and we get frustrated like, God, why aren't you doing something about this? Look, our hope is not in a specific outcome in our life. My faith and my hope is not that one day I'm going to have more money than I need to. 
my faith and hope is not that I'm going to live a long, healthy life and everything that I, all my chips are pushed in on living a long, healthy life. And if that doesn't happen, then God's a liar. That's not faith and that's not hope. My hope is not in prosperity, even though it's promised to us. My hope is not in prosperity. It's the icing on the cake. My hope is in who He is to me. That's it. My faith is not in anything else except for who Jesus Christ is to me. As my friend, as my Savior, as, my, as the lover of my soul. Amen? That's it. And so sometimes we come under the influence of anxiety because we've got things just all flipped around. Amen? The word anxiety means to be concerned with tomorrow. The old English is to be concerned with the morrow. <laughs> to be concerned with tomorrow. How many of you have ever been concerned about tomorrow? Are we ever going to get out of this? What are we going to do next week? What are we going to do next week? We made it through this week. What are we going to do next week? Amen. I can, I can talk about that one for a little bit. That feeling of, I survived today, will I make it tomorrow, is anxiety. It's not from God. Don't be anxious, Jared, about tomorrow. Don't be concerned about tomorrow. You guys all right? <laughs> I was about to jump ahead, but I want to make sure I don't. Do what? What did you say? Oh, right. <clears throat> to to be anxious. <laughs> I don't know. Y'all are. Uh, I'm in another world. To be anxious means to be concerned with surviving, sustaining life, making it through tomorrow. And he, the Lord has a remedy for that as well, and it's called stewardship. <laughs> personal i have mandy and i have never freaked out over our finances when we stewarded them well never once have we freaked out over our budget when we've stewarded it well but when we haven't stewarded it well we're like dude where in the heck did our money go <laughs> it's in my belly <laughs> i had to have that stupid water burger or whatever it was when you're on a budget, you can't just go get Whataburger whenever you want. But whenever we're stewarding our life, take it beyond just finances. When I'm stewarding my body, and I'm eating healthy, and I'm exercising, which I haven't done in who knows how long. I need some oil in my joints when I try to exercise now. I'm like a, like a horse that just got born. I have no control over my limbs. <laughs> Lost all that muscle memory. I don't know what to do. Run? How do you run? <laughs> but when we steward our lives which means when we manage our lives it's a lot easier to not become anxious because we're doing what we're supposed to be doing with what we have so when we have a plan it's easy to not get anxious it's alright I've got a plan I've got a plan when you're in high school your plan is to graduate high school you've got a plan I'm going to graduate high school, and then I'm going to go to college. You go to college, and then you graduate college, and you're like, 
oh crap, my plan is over. I have nothing else to think about. What am I supposed to do? How many have ever been there? You're like, you don't know what to do. I'm 23 years old. I mean, I have finished college, or 27 nowadays, finished college, and I don't know what I'm supposed to do. It's a lot easier to freak out when there's no plan because I'm not stewarding my life, right? See, what happens when we steward is we're placing the welfare of our life into the hands of our provider. (laughs) Stewardship is actually a demonstration of our thankfulness for what he's already given us. I don't know what I said, but here we go. (laughs) Stewardship is actually a demonstration of our thankfulness for what we already have. It's like we just gave our kids a bunch of new gifts, right? And nothing makes me more angry than when we don't steward the new things that we're given or we don't steward the old things that we're given. Like there is a perfect amount of toys that my boys can handle. Like, it's a perfect amount. There is some kind of magic formula where they can have this many toys and they can handle it. But man, you put one more than they can handle and it's just destruction everywhere you go. Am I telling the truth? Anyone else? There is an ability that they have to steward something. And so what we're learning as parents is what can they steward? Okay, they can handle this. Can they handle um, a personal gaming system that they carry around with them, DS or whatever they're called. Can they handle this? Well, when we find games all over the house, the answer is probably no, because they're going to break that $30 little game, right? There's an amount they can handle, and nothing drives me crazier than when their room gets destroyed because they just can't handle what they have. So what do we have to do? We have to remove some of the baggage. <laughs> To get the scale back to what they can handle. And it's like we have to do that every other week. Because grandparents just keep wanting to send crap home with them. <laughs> I'm like, okay, you send a bag home with my kids and I get to send it back home to your house. They would make this a fair trade. And it's just, am I, and so if it's that way with our kids, it's that way with us. We just clutter our lives and there's, there's a, there is a perfect amount that we can handle. How many have ever hit that mark and you're like, man, dude, we can handle this? How many have ever had more than you can handle? Not so much, but every now and then it happens, right? So I, this, the Lord showed me this two or three years ago, that what would happen is when, when we can only steward and manage a certain amount, and the Lord gives us more than what we can handle, what do we do with it? We whittle it down to what we could handle in the first place. We just do. I don't know why. We do it. Because there's this stewardship principle that says, man, I'm really thankful for what I have in my life, so I'm stewarding it. I'm going to manage it well because I'm thankful. And that act proves to the Lord that I'm faithful in this. I can handle this. And he takes care of it. It's putting it in his his hands. Amen? Stewardship connects us to his word that says, my God will supply all of your needs. Think about this. We're in that season, November 11th, I'm going to keep reminding you of the scales. The Lord has given everyone in this church scales to weigh things on, to find out what's important, what's not important. Amen?
So when I steward everything that I have well, my needs will be met. What did David say? I've never seen the righteous forsaken or his seed begging for bread. Is that a promise? Is that available to every one of us who are under the new covenant? Where, he's, where he took on what we deserve so we could have what he deserved? It's part of the new covenant. So if I've never seen the righteous forsaken, then why am I struggling to have my needs met? Because I have not stewarded what I do have. See, stewardship will move us beyond the place of anxiety into where we're in a rhythm of life where things are managing themselves. It's like clockwork. They handle themselves because we're stewarding them. And because that connects us to the word where God now makes sure all of our needs are met. Amen. We'll move on. <clears throat> the word anxiety can also be translated to be annoyed or frustrated. So don't be anxious. Don't be annoyed or frustrated. Road rage. I'm sensing that's a thought, a thought that came up in here. <laughs> frustrated with the other sweet, wonderful people that drive around us. <laughs> Let's move on. To be anxious means to be pulled or drawn into different directions. I think I'm going to land here for a little bit today and maybe we'll finish this later. <laughs> it is, Matilda, we love talking with her about perspective on um, not being raised in this country and coming over here. And anytime we talk, we get to talking about how busy we are as Americans. Just, we're busy. Busy, busy, busy. Busy little bee. It's from a great movie. Anyone can tell me what it's from? Yeah, gladiator. Good job. You win the prize. I don't know what it is, but you win it. <laughs> um, we just get busy. And what happens is we're pulled in so many different directions. I hate when my schedule is crazy cram-packed. Anyone else feel that way? If I'm talking to you, raise your hand so I know I can all right, make eye contact as we go. I hate when I'm told that I have to be here, 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 and I feel like I have no control of what I'm doing. I absolutely hate it. It makes me anxious. It makes me annoyed and frustrated. It makes me want to go crazy, right? It makes me want to do something ridiculous just to break the monotony up, right? I'll even do something stupid just to break things up. <laughs> the reason that he wants us to be pulled in all these various different directions is he wants to cut us into pieces and divide us into parts. It's from Luke twenty-two thirty-one thirty-two, when Jesus goes to Peter and says, Hey, Satan has asked, he has actually petitioned me to sift you as wheat. He has asked to bring you to a place of anxiety, of internal turmoil, to where you're pulled in so many different directions that you break and can't handle it. And that's exactly what happened. Peter had internal turmoil when the girl and the kids and people were pointing him out saying, hey, that guy was with Jesus. There was the anxiety and the internal turmoil that was pulling him on his love for Jesus and his fear of what they were going to do to him. He was pulled in different directions. And so he messed up. He fell under the weight of anxiety. And he goes, it's okay, I've prayed for you. And after he, <laughs> that's, when Jesus says I've prayed for you, it's a pretty good place to be in right there. Hey, don't worry, you're, I've prayed for you, you're going to be all right. 
So Peter falls apart. You think Jesus would have prayed for him not to fail. <laughs> but Jesus didn't say, now Peter, I prayed that you will make the right decision and I am controlling you right now and you're going to make the right choice. He says, no, don't worry about it. After you have fallen and you have repented and come back to me, I'm going to restore you. It's going to be okay. Don't worry about it. <laughs> but there's this place where Satan wants to divide you and pull you into so many different directions that you forget who you are, you forget your identity. And from, you know, I'm talking to some moms here too. It, it's, it's, I'll talk to dads too, but moms, because you, the role that you play in the home, you get lost. You lose who you are. You're, you're the one that drives kids to practice and you're the one that makes sure they have lunch money and you're the one that makes sure there's food in the house a lot of moms not all i'm not trying to be a chauvinist here but in a lot of homes that is the way it functions right they take care of things mom where are the band-aids mom where's the queso mom where's this where's my backpack for school where's everything mom where are my toys well, which one? You know the gun with the... I don't know. I don't take inventory. That's how she feels. Where is it, Mom? Mom, can you do this for me? Mom, can you tie my shoes? What did Dad say? Learn to tie your own shoes. <laughs> Go get the ones with Velcro. <laughs> That's my solution. Stop wearing those basketball shoes, Matthias. Until you learn to tie them, you can't wear them. Go get the ones that you don't have to tie. <laughs> It's moms, they, and what happens when, when you're giving all the time? You lose yourself. And then we hit this midlife crisis. And they want to they call it other things, medical things. But I think all of it plays a part. Moms just gave, 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 gave of themselves. And I, I, don't, I don't even know what I want anymore. Where do you want to eat? Take your wife out on a date. Have you ever, hey, where would you like to go eat? I don't know. <laughs> You can't even just make a decision. No, where do you want to go? I don't care. I just want to get out of the house. I don't want any responsibilities. <laughs> they don't even know what they want anymore. What do you want for your birthday? I don't know. <laughs> Where's my, where are my shoes, babe? <laughs> it's funny because it's true. And it's also sad. But... No. <laughs> It's the anxiety of the home. It's the anxiety of the home. And women and men both are not made to carry that type of anxiety. Men, men we don't talk about it, so it can get really bad for us. It can just boil up and boil up until we just got to go buy that new car or buy that new TV or whatever it is. <laughs> I just need something for me. <laughs> Men, have you ever gone through the house and looked around? Dude, who decorated this place? There's not one thing that represents me in this house. I'm throwing some antlers up on the wall, whether you like it or not. <laughs> you see this corner? This is me. You see this spot on the counter? This is my spot. I don't want to see your toys there. Don't put your purse there, babe. My keys... You know, if you've been to my house, you know where my spot is. It's right there. That's where my bag goes. And this is, I'll hit this every few months when I'm, you know, my time of the month or whatever comes. <laughs> and I'm like, guys, this is the one place in the house that's mine, besides the TV and the remote. But this is the one thing that's mine. Leave it alone. 
don't want to, don't even, don't even encroach on my space. It's a long counter. If things start inching because they'll bring their bags home, they start inching my way, I sure slide them. This is my space. <laughs> if I lose that space, I lose everything. <laughs> and all that is, is, is me not learning to handle the anxiety. It's just true. It's true. <laughs> I could just keep going. You wonder why why our marriages have the seasons of frustration. Married couples, you know what I'm talking about. There's there's the seasons of frustration that we go through where neither one of us our needs aren't met, and we're both frustrated, and there's anxiety that fills the place. And and thank God for for Danny Silk and Matt and people that talk about family life stuff. We're realizing in those moments, it's because our love tank's empty. And, and when mom's love tank is empty, it's trouble for the whole house. It's just, everything falls apart. We have no groceries in here. Mom's love tank's not full. <laughs> I mean, we're eating oatmeal for dinner. <laughs> I just got some food, babe. I think I found two corn dogs in the fridge. <laughs> <laughs> it's all symptoms of everyone say it with me anxiety it's anxiety we're the most medicated culture in the, on the face of the earth if you have to take medicine because of you're having issues no problem with that if you have faith in it it's fine because if it's of faith then it's cool with God if it's outside of faith it's not cool so we don't judge people for taking medicine, for doing, if you believe that medicine helps you and you've talked to God, you say, hey God, I, I need, then cool, don't worry about it, we ain't going to say anything. But we are an over-medicated society because we don't know how to handle anxiety. And a lot of it we put on ourselves because we didn't manage well and we had more stress to it. But the Lord says, don't be pulled in so many directions. Everybody, can you do something in 2014? Can you get control of your schedule? Now, I'm, I don't ever say stuff like this, but there are usually four Sundays in, in, a, in a month. Right. You should be at church. Come on. Come on. We, it's just true. There are Saturdays. You should spend family time on Saturdays, Fridays. Do it. Take control of your schedule. Stop driving here or there, here or there. If your son's not really that good at soccer, don't put him in soccer. <laughs> <laughs> Just because you think they should play soccer. You're just adding to your schedule hours a week. And don't lie, when he gets that stupid participation trophy, and all the other kids are like, why did he get a trophy? <laughs> don't worry about it. <laughs> also, you can put pictures on Facebook and say, oh, my kid's in soccer. I'm a good parent. You think your kid cares? Oh, my gosh. Look, I played sports my whole life. My parents drove me around. I played football. I played everything. I don't look back and think my parents were good parents because they drove me to stupid football practice when I was seven years old. And I could barely handle the weight of the helmet and shoulder pads. <laughs> that didn't make my parents good parents. <laughs> my parents were good parents because they controlled our schedule and they did what was important. 
are sports and stuff like that important? Yeah, I've, I've, got, I've got sons that want to play sports. It's important for, for them. But if it becomes a hassle and a weight, like I was coaching soccer, that's not important anymore. I can't do that. I can't manage 12, 6-year-olds or 8-year-olds. It's like, oh, trying to teach them to play soccer or baseball. It's, so we have to manage our schedule. So will you do that in 2014? Yeah. Will you look at, our, at your schedule and say, is this really important? Is this really necessary? And let me, make, let me say this. We will do more things here for your children from here on out. We'll give you options. I don't know. I'm not just things just came to mind. You need your kids need outlets for things. We'll we'll find stuff for them. We'll we'll get them involved. There's a lot of things about the shift in the kids ministry, and we just want to do that. But if it if it helps manage your schedule, I mean, how do you know what I'm talking about? It's just, your schedule's crazy. There's no break. I mean, when I was growing up, play baseball. It was one time a year. Now you play play baseball or volleyball or softball or. It is literally the whole year around. It's nonstop. Because the only way to really, you know, be cool is to not play at the YMCA or the City League. You've got to be in a special league, and that means a lot more money and a lot more travel. And a lot more. I'm not against that stuff. I did all that stuff, and I loved it. I look back at baseball, and those, those bus rides and stuff were the funnest things. Absolutely. But is it the most important thing? No. Just weigh it in the scale. Because what happens is we become anxious, and we get pulled in so many different directions. Feel it a lot at the holidays. How many had like five or six different places for Christmas? You know, I, I gotta be over here, I gotta be over here. It's, it's life pulls at you. Amen? I might as well just finish this real quick. To be anxious means to be double-minded. It literally means to be double-minded. You can read in James 1, 2 through 17, where he says, don't be double-minded, or you'll be unstable in all your ways. Matthew 6, 25 through 34, he says, do not worry. Don't worry. Just don't do it. I don't know how to not do it. Don't. <laughs> don't do it. I'm going to read that. For this reason I say to you, do not be worried about your life about what you're going to eat or what you're going to drink, nor for your body as to what you're going to wear. Isn't life more than food? And the body more than clothing? It says, look at the birds of the air. They don't sow, nor do they reap. But they gather in barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Aren't you worth much more than the birds? And how many of you, since we're, I, I, it, this is the way I was at, and since we're talking about it, how many of you can even add a single minute or hour to your life by worrying? Can you add an hour? Can you get that hour back? Can you add an hour to your week by worrying about it? No. How many of you can add a few inches to your frame? I wish I could have. But no, you can't do it. So why are you worried about these things? He says, look at the lilies of the field. They are not anxious. They toil not. And they don't spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all of his glory was as beautiful as one of these lilies. Think about that. The wealthiest, wisest man of all time 
couldn't dress himself as beautifully with all of his wealth and all of his wisdom as a flower in the field that just grows because God said it could grow. He says, but if God clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and it's burned and gone tomorrow, how much more will he clothe you? He says, you have little faith. Don't worry then saying, what will we eat or what will we drink or what will we wear? He says, for ungodly people seek and pursue those things. But your heavenly father knows your needs. So seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And then he says, and all these other things will be added. So, so don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will take care of itself. Every day has enough of its own trouble. So don't worry. Hmm. Amen. Do not be anxious for anything. Why don't you stand and we'll close out, pray into this. Are stressful people fun to be around? (laughs) They make it not fun for everybody, right? That anxiety, that pressure, it's just we're not made for it. So Lord, we ask that you right now will begin to help us shake off anxiety. (laughs) As the rewarder, you have rewarded us with peace that passes all understanding. You have rewarded us with ways to not be anxious. You've given us clues and secrets, God. Awaken our prayer life, God. Awaken our petitioning of you, God. It doesn't offend you for us to ask you for things. You love it because you love to give. You love to reward. If you've been anxious, just lift your hand. We want to pray for you. You've been anxious. Yeah. I've been anxious. I've been very anxious. you just talk to the Lord say no more just tell him no more no more anxious no more worry no more fear God (laughs) no more double-mindedness no more being pulled in every direction so much so that I can't even tell what's the right way to go no more of that God we will no longer be tossed by life father right now we release a new anointing in this house for stewardship. We want to be thankful for what we do have. And we want to steward it well, God. Can we do this? Can we ask God to forgive us for being anxious? Because I feel like we should confess our sin. Just tell Him, God, I'm sorry. Sorry for being anxious, for worrying. Sorry for making you smaller in my eyes.
sorry for leaning on my own wisdom, which is really foolishness. I'm sorry, most of all, for not giving you an opportunity to be the rewarder in my life. (laughs) You just love it so much, and I've robbed you from that (laughs) opportunity, and I'm sorry. Everybody laugh more. You need to laugh more. Even if it's fake, laugh. (laughs) It's good for us. I'm telling you, as we learn to do this, there's going to be healing. Healing take place in the body. How How many are having issues physically from high blood pressure, hypertension, um... Anything like that? Any anyone in the room? You know someone? Yeah, headache, headaches that come from stress. I used to struggle with my, terrible migraines, and it was the stress, and it was me not knowing how to to release things to God, and there was also guilt involved with it for me, and so there was this stress, and I get these headaches. We say no more headaches, no more hypertension, no more high blood pressure, no more swelling of the joints. See, when we're in that heightened sense of stress, our body holds on to toxins. Did you know that? That's absolutely true. Man, I wish I could put into practice all the things that we know, right? Like, it's true. When we're in stress, our body holds on to bad things that it should naturally release out of us. And it makes us sick. So, God, I ask that you release right. I ask that you detox us right now, God. (laughs) Yeah. Detox our bodies. De-stress. Amen. If you want more prayer for anything, we're here. We want to pray for you. Tilly, the prayer team's going to be up here up front. We just want to love on you, partner with you. Thanks for being here. We love you guys. We pray you have a blessed week and love to see you Tuesday night. We're going to have some fun.